We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. And joining me tonight, it's not even tonight, it's this morning. This is the first time we've ever recorded in the morning. Yeah. My co-host, you know, you already know what it is. It's Eric Crocker. <laughs> Bro, what are you even thinking right now? I'm thinking about who burner account that is that keeps tweeting <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I got a clue these guys. So striking gold, we me and Crocker, like I woke up at like 730 Pacific time. Croc's two hours ahead of me. Uh, I woke up. I already had a text from Croc. I started replying back and forth. We've been talking for like an hour. For me, it's hella early, but we've already been talking for like an hour. And like half that time, we're talking about this random burner account on Twitter that has that follows nobody, has zero followers, but is replying to everybody. And Crocker's convinced that it belongs to a player, right? Yeah. So the way that this person, like, I don't want to say interacts with me, but they interact, the way that they interact, I'm like, this is definitely a person. So first of all, like you said, they have zero followers and they are following zero people, yet they respond to, like, a lot, right? Like, when you go through, like, when I know you went through a little bit, I went through as well. When you go through his replies, and he doesn't have any tweets. This person has never tweeted from this account. <laughs> like their own, like, I'm just going to just tweet something. Everything that they tweeted is a response. So if you go to the account, 
and you look on the first little page or whatever, there's nothing there. But when you go to replies, it's full of responses, right? So they always respond. Now, we've gathered a few things, right? Because they've responded to me. And we've said it before, like oh, like a, a week or two ago, where we're like, oh, this is definitely somebody burning an account, right? But then I looked at it again today, and it's just the way they responded to something I said, right? Somebody was like, man, crack, like, you were, you were, you love like Jimmy, or you went to war. You went to war for Jimmy last year on his, and I did on his podcast. Like his co-host was like, Jimmy sucks. Like he's trash. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, like Jimmy does not suck. Like he doesn't suck. And you can't judge him off. And I'm making all the excuses that we make for Jimmy Garoppolo right now. Obviously since then, I've gathered a lot more information on Jimmy. And that year we went to a Super Bowl. All right. But even, okay, regardless. Um, So, the person responded to that like, oh, well, Croc is wishy-washy or he um, he was like, he's wishy-washy or sometimes he speaks with his emotions, blah, 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 which is true. I mean, I am a fan and I've always said that. Like, obviously, like I do different 49ers content and stuff. I give my opinion, but I'm not in anybody that asks me like, oh, you're a member of the media. No, I'm not. Like, I am a 49er fan. I have done media things. And when I've done that, and you can attest to this, I do re- remove my fandom in that setting, but of course. I am a 49ers fan. <laughs> so yeah, some things that I tweet might come off as uh, an emotional response, I guess you could say, or whatnot, but, or more of something that maybe a fan would say. Usually my thinking is more logic, but yeah, I am, I am still a fan of the 49ers. All right. So regardless of that, so he responded to that and I'm just like, man, like the way this guy talked, then you go through and I'm like, damn, there's been several other times he's responded to me. Sometimes I and not you know I, I get a lot of like responses sometimes and sometimes I just don't see they don't pop up on my uh, in my mentions and I know Rob probably has this too like I I don't know if it's when you have a bunch of followers and people respond to things sometimes some like resp- responses just don't show up on your timeline so yeah uh, yeah I would I think I would venture to say most of them don't and I don't right. even know what controls that or or how Twitter determines what you're going to be notified about and what you're not right it's some kind of like <clears throat> excuse me algorithm that they use i guess because and sometimes i don't even notice it until somebody else maybe likes their response and then i'm and then i see the like of the response i'm like oh okay and then i can click on them like not damn i never saw this response ever <laughs> you know right. um, so um so so there's that so anyways i'm going through and i'm like damn he's responded to me a bunch about a bunch of different things and you kind of just look and you see like hmm I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is weird. He has zero followers. Doesn't follow anyone, right? Um, doesn't tweet at all. Only responds to things. So it's clearly somebody that has a lot of time on their hands, I guess, right? Um, or that is a ton of active, time on their hands. That or is active on social media. Um, this person definitely seems, with some of the responses that I, I saw him respond to people, he seems fairly intelligent, right? Would you say that? Yeah, I, I it would almost. I almost feel like if if we're going this route, it almost seems like he takes little steps to seem less intelligent than he is. Just reading the way he writes and how he uh, like 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 the punctuation he uses, it yeah. seems a little like like it, even that seems a little suspect. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. So, we're trying to piece it together. Um, if you guys want to find out who, who we're talking about and maybe you guys can help, it's actually kind of some fun like investigation, I guess. 
trying to figure out like who is this guy, you know, and trying to piece things together. I kind of just get stopped after a while, but um, it's it's a fun little thing. But anyways, that that's what he's I was referring to when we got on here, and I'm like, man, who is this burner account? Because clearly, it's somebody that has time, and they definitely have an opinion, and they are kind of smart. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Right. It's it's 100 a burner account, and and it'll it'll be fun. I don't know if. If you guys listening have a way of jumping into Crocs mentions and seeing, I mean, I guess if you find a reply that's probably not positive and you click on the person and you know, they have zero followers and they don't follow anybody, then you've probably found the person. Yeah. So you see if you guys can jump into Crocs mentions and, and find this guy. And then, you know, if you want to message us on, hit us up on Twitter with, with who you think it is. Um, don't at the person though, because we don't want them to know we're on to them. Like we want, we want them to keep tweeting <laughs> what they're tweeting. So, so just if I mean, if you want to, just you know, we, we might be able to confirm it for you. But anyway, so obviously the ele- the elephant in the room, the the massive, brightly colored elephant in the room is Matthew Stafford, who Crocker and I spent the last two episodes talking about in detail because every sign in the world was kind of poor. One was pointing towards Matthew Stafford getting traded that got announced. And then two, uh, a lot of the eyes were on the 49ers and we talked about this. You know, there were tweets from random accounts throughout the NFL talking about how the 49ers were the front runner. And then obviously 49ers fans got their, their own, uh, up close and personal look about all the kind of like local accounts that were tweeting about him coming to the 49ers. And then he ends up going to the Rams. And and uh, just so we can talk about this, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the compensation. So the Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff, a third round pick this year, a first round pick next year, and a first round pick in 2023. So that, which was just quite a bit more than I thought that they were going to be able to get from for Matthew Stafford. But there's kind of a reason for that too. Croc, what are your first reactions, man? Because, well, I mean, you were putting them out there on Twitter. You were sending them to me. Like you, you lost your shit for a little bit. I mean, not in a crazy way, but what yeah. were your, what were your reactions, bro? I think my, my reaction was so like, wow, or I don't want to come off as upset, but I felt a certain way about it because he went to the Rams, right? <clears throat> now, right. like, my thing is, like, I want the 49ers to have the best team in the NFC West. Like, that's the first thing that teams talk about. Like, everybody thinks, like, oh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. And it's like, no, like, first and foremost, the first order of operation is to win your division. And, <clears throat> excuse me, when I looked at our division, my initial response was, the 49ers have the worst quarterback in the division. No matter how you look at it, you might say that this 49ers as a team are better or we've beat this team and that team. But just from that standpoint, from a simple standpoint, if there were a quarterback draft today, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford will all go ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Right? Do you think so? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. So from that standpoint, the 49ers have the worst quarterback in the division. Now, um, I followed up with that with saying that the NFL is a quarterback-driven league, you know? So teams that typically win the most consistently have better quarterback play. Now, why that kind of pertains to the 49ers is because 
you know, a lot of people were referencing, well, 2019, 49ers didn't have the best quarterback in the division, but they went to the Super Bowl. And my thoughts on that, and, you know, there was a guy, you know, Eric Davis, he responded. And my thoughts to, um, to that was the 49ers don't have that defense anymore. Like, they don't have that team anymore. Like, the 49ers, 2021 is not 2019 at the moment. At the moment, I will say that. But when you just look at it, because we're still very early, there's still an entire offseason. But when you look at it from the perspective of who the 49ers had playing in that Super Bowl, right? You, you look across that, especially the defense, because that's what they're, that's what some of these people are leaning on. Like you need that good defense, but there's no DeForest Buckner. There is no uh D Ford or whatever's going on with him. He just missed an entire year. Uh you have Nick Bosa. Just missed an entire year. There's no Quan Alexander, who maybe was a liability in the Super Bowl, but he was out there, right? You don't have him anymore. Tart's a free agent. Sherman, free agent. And it looks like he's not coming back. Verrett, you, don't Robert, you don't have Robert Sala? You don't have Robert Sala. Like, you're missing so much that made that team what it was. So I think at this point, I think your quarterback position is even more pivotal, pivotal to be good, right? Like, you need, like, that kind of guy to help through this transition. Well, the 49ers of all these teams have the worst quarterback to help them be successful throughout a time like this. And to me, that's just worrisome, especially when you let someone with Stafford. Now, okay, Stafford to the Rams. And another reason why I kind of, quote unquote, lost my shit. For all the reasons (laughs) that we, for all the reasons we liked Stafford going to the 49ers, it pertains to to the Rams as well. Like when you looked at it, like, oh man, Matthew Stafford in Kyle Shanahan's offense, like, oh, the league doesn't want to see that. Well, he goes to McVay, who runs a variation of Shanahan's offense. Now he does it out of 11 personnel, right? He does it with one back, one tight end instead of a fullback. But he, you know, and they use three receivers, but it's the same. It's, they do, they have a lot of the same principles, right? That help create those shot plays and those open windows and play action, things like that. Now, it simplifies it for for Stafford, which that's what we wanted, right? I mean, like, that's why we wanted him with the 49ers. He has the weapons. He has the weapons. He has Woods. He has uh, Cooper Cup. You know, their third receivers are always solid, whether it's Van Jefferson who's coming along or it's uh, um, Josh Reynolds. Reynolds. And then you yeah. have Tyler Higby and you have Everett. Like, they have weapons. They have Akers who came on strong. And it's like, damn, like, legit running back. Like, they have, you know, their offensive line, we'll, we'll see. But for the most part, when you look at offensively, they're ready to go. Now, when you look at it defensively, and you see, you know, they have playmakers there. Yeah, they gave up first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Well, he's still, like, the best corner in the NFL, you know, um, or one of the top three, we'll say that for sure. Uh, you have Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, uh, guys like Floyd, terrific role player. And, you know, they they have guys in place all over. We'll see if they keep some of those free agents like Johnson, the safety. But, but um, yeah, I really I, – I, their team is better right now than the 49ers, or they're in better shape. Now, again, free agency hasn't happened. We haven't seen what the 49ers do. But out of all the teams that Stafford could have went to, the last place I would have said, oh, yeah, I want to see him there is the Rams. I did not want to see that. So I think from that standpoint, I was a little more upset. If he would have went to the Saints, I would not have cared. If he would have went to 
Washington, I would not have cared, right? Like now I do think those teams would have been really good with him, but I wouldn't have cared. But when he's in your division and you now, I'd rather have golf at quarterback there than I would Matthew Stafford. And that's why I was a little, you know, I guess flustered a little bit. No, I mean, I, I dude, it's understandable. I mean, it was it was shocking to a lot of people. The 49ers now have to play Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Matthew Stafford six times a year combined. And they all have good teams behind them. Who knows what's going on with Seattle? But obviously, I think they, they're like in this weird funk of underperforming and and just kind of just generally seeming like they're not quite sure what they want to do, uh, whether it's to let Russell Wilson cook or, or overcook or undercook or whatever kind of shit he's trying to cook up over there. <laughs> but, you know, and, 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 and I understood that. I think that the 49ers, and, and this is not necessarily going to make a lot of people happy, and it's not necessarily going to, because you and I were on here talking about that, it's, you know, it's, it's put up or shut up time for the 49ers. They've been at it for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been at it for a while. They've had some shitty luck, 100%, but they don't have much to show for show for it. Um, they did have their trip to the Super Bowl, but you can only hang your hat on that so long. You know, it's at some point, like, does anybody give a shit that the Eagles won the Super Bowl anymore? Not really, because they don't even know what the hell they're doing. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Carson Wentz. They got Jalen Hurts, and, and no one really cares anymore because it's a very, it's all about what's happening lately. You guys have, you guys have, Heard that a million times. And the 49ers, I believe the 49ers are trying to go about their business in a way where they're trying to build, and this is obviously everybody's goal, but they're trying to build an organization that that they're in it for the long game. They want to build an organization that can routinely be successful. You know, they they want to find somebody that can that can be their guy for a while. And, and I do believe that they were heavily involved in Matthew Stafford. But they didn't – I think that they wanted to try and land a guy like that without mortgaging what they felt was their ability to continually find success. Or kind of, you know, I think what the Rams are going for is kind of like if you were looking at a chart, you know, it kind of goes up really fast. And and then it's up there and then it come, comes down pretty fast because, you know, they don't have any first-round picks for like what I thought was – let me see. Let me find this tweet, Okay. Ram, okay, uh, this is why it seems so significant because he included past years. But Rams first round picks: 2017 and 2016, Jared Goff; 2017, none; 18, none; 19, none; 20, none; 21, none; 22, none; 23, none. Now you can that that that's crazy and it seems crazy, but they're in the playoffs and they're competing every year. So obviously they found some type of scenario there that's working for them. Will it will it bring sustained success? I don't know. Do you consider what they have now to be sustained success? I think that would be it would be fair to say it is. Um, I feel like the 49ers are trying to go about it in a way that will result in less of a fall off. But again, the result you know the the proof is in the pudding, and the 49ers are not really in any better spot than the Rams. Uh, maybe they are in some areas of that team. Maybe when we look back on this ten years from now, maybe the 49ers were in a better position in the Rams, and we just didn't know it yet. But it's not, you can't really spend too much time looking at it like that because then you're just going to be sitting on your thumbs and letting, you know, stuff like this pass you by. So I'm kind of on the fence with all this. I don't have a huge, you know, uh, flag to plant on any hill. I feel like it, you know, the, it sucks the 49ers missed out on Stafford. No, I don't think they should have paid what the Ram pay, Rams paid, but they wouldn't have had to pay what the Rams paid because the Rams paid so much to the Lions because they were giving them Jared Goff, who has a horrible contract, 
And there's a lot to be said about all this, but not just a horrible contract, but I think the fact that they didn't have a first this year, like the, the value of a future first is not the same as a first this year. So like, I think the 49ers 12th overall pick now and trying to figure out the value of what the Rams first round picks for the following two years will be. I think that 12th over pick is more valuable than that probably like, because those are going to be two late first round picks. I, I would assume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 100%. Yeah, the value with it though kind of gives the Rams you know I mean the Titans, I mean the the, the, the Lions. Lions um two first round picks in each of the next 2 years. So you know from that standpoint there there's value for them there because if they want to you know do some type of trade up or anything like that they they have the assets to do it. But yeah, I I think you know when people they see oh two first round picks and it's like what well, yeah, two future first round picks and the Rams are banking on those being late, late first round right. picks, where it's like, you know, whatever. We have a quarterback that gives us the potential to consistently go deeper or raise our odds. I, that's how I try to look at it. Like, they, like with Stafford in the same situation, Stafford with the uh, with the Rams or golf with the Rams. Who has what? What? What quarterback gives them the higher odds to win the Super Bowl? And I would assume with Stafford, and that's why they made that type of move. Right. I don't. I don't even like a lot of people. And it, maybe it took a little bit for me to kind of just analyze the situation a little bit. Uh, a lot of people kind of acted like the Lions fleeced the Rams, and I do believe the Lions maybe got a, a little bit better edge of the deal. But this was a good deal for the Rams. Like they they did give up future first round picks, which. Uh, it's already been reported that there were multiple teams willing to offer a first round pick for Matthew Stafford. That was already reported as well. But so, you know, the, obviously the Rams had to put a little bit more on the offer, but they were able to get Jared Goff off their roster, who they obviously, we had just talked about this, hated. And they didn't like, they didn't have any problem like just talking about it. It was weird. They just openly disliked Jared Goff and what he brought to the table. They were able to get him off the roster along with his contract. I don't know about the dead money that comes along with it. I don't really care because that you can't you can't look at things like it's a sunk cost. Like at some point, you have to get out of the paralysis by analysis to just make a move if you don't want somebody on your roster anymore, no matter how much dead money it costs you. Like if you're at that point. So they were able to get Jared Goff off the roster. They were able to get a better quarterback, which for as far as from from my point of view, Jared Goff was like the primary thing holding the Rams back. At least it seemed that way at times. There were still like, even when the 49ers were beating them this year, we, I remember getting on here and talking about it. Like Jared Goff missed a ton of throws and, and, and it's not that the Rams would have, would have beaten the 49ers if he hit those throws, but I just remember talking about it. And so the, 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 the Rams were able to get Jared Goff off their books. Uh, they were able to to creep towards the what the projected salary cap is because apparently they're way over it. You know, because Matthew Stafford was cheaper. Matthew Stafford was very reasonably priced over the next two years. And you know, I, I I'm kind of with Croc in the fact that I don't think they're really going to miss those first round picks unless the floor just completely falls out from under them. And the Rams just absolutely disappear. Stafford can't stay healthy. All of a sudden, he sucks. All these weird things align to make it to where the Rams' nightmare just comes true. Then, other than that, I don't think they're going to miss those first round picks. It's if they're if they're finding the same success they have been finding, and they've got like guys like Matthew Stafford and Jalen Ramsey on their roster, guys who they gave up these first round picks for. 
I don't think they're going to miss those. And we've, we've, we've been vocal about that on this pod. Like if you can trade unknown assets, meaning picks that you don't even know for sure are going to result in good players for quality players. And, and obviously the salary cap plays into that a little bit. Then, you know, if you can manage it, you do it because you're, you know, you're getting guaranteed success in, in that one little area. So right. it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, it, it, I, you know, it, it's hard to tell how how much the 49ers were in it. It's hard to tell what they offered. It, it's it's hard to tell how far along they were on the process. Um, you know, I, I would like to think that a trade that the Rams pulled off is not something that was done at the very last minute. You know, there that's a lot of compensation in there. There's a lot of back and forth about them taking Jared Goff and 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 the contract that he has. I think that was probably something that they were working out for a while. Um, and obviously, I think the Rams probably had to go through a phase where they were continually readjusting or upping their offer because um, the Rams had to make their offer, despite the fact that it included like a $40 million mediocre quarterback, uh, appealing. You know, better, better. like they said, the like somebody said, the, the Lions had other first-round picks on the table. So it's just a real, real interesting situation. And I do feel like, it, it, you know, and that was one of the things I text you right away is like, let's see what the 49ers do from here because everything everybody's saying, Jimmy Garoppolo being probably the fourth best quarterback in the NFC West, the 49ers all of a sudden being, even if they are healthy, even if they're fully healthy, I still think the 49ers can whip everybody's ass in the NFC West with Jimmy Garoppolo if they're all healthy. Right. But that becomes a little less clear with the points Crocker made. So much personnel is leaving, coaches are leaving. We'll see if they can keep this sustained success. But the 49ers are now flirting with being the worst team in the NFC West. And that kind of just comes with the NFC West territory. Everybody's so good. A good team can be fourth in the NFC West. But in the end, you have to stay competitive in your own division at the very least if you ever want to have any hopes of, of making it anywhere into the postseason again. So I think the 49ers know that they have to do something. But I think that their their vision of it Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more reserved, maybe a little bit more focused on the long term, but it doesn't matter what it's focused on if it doesn't work out. What, you know, how or do you or if you're losing games. How do you feel about Because now, when you look at it from a, an aggressive or non aggressive standpoint, we've talked about it. You know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier about Kyle Shanahan and it's kind of put up or shut up time. And the thing I try to get like people to understand is at the end of the day, like, the Rams have been to the playoffs three out of the last four years. And the one year that they didn't go, they still had a winning season. They still won nine games. Where right. on the other side of it with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, no matter how people, they feel like, oh, well, we can do this and that because we have Kyle Shanahan. And it's like, well, yeah, that's how we view him. But that's not what the results have been. The results are he's missed the playoffs three out of four years. While the Rams coach has made it three, three out of four years. And then even on top of that, like not just missing the playoffs three out of four years, like having terrible losing seasons to where you are, you know, I guess competitive, but you're losing a lot of games. Like we're talking about six wins, four wins. Like that, that that's bad. So I know we view Shanahan and hold him to this high standard or that's how we view him, right? In this like right. elite class of coaches, but that's not what the results are. That's not what the results are. The results are the 49ers have struggled a lot. And at some point, I get it. You want to be conservative. You want to have these assets and build this team and do that, this and the other. But you're flirting with going 
four, four losing seasons in five years. So at what point do you get more aggressive to try to do something to, you know, make sure that you do compete, you know, and just for your division where now it looks like teams are getting better. Like you said, 49ers can very well, they beat the Rams last year twice, <laughs> you know, like right. a team that went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. So it's not like the 49ers just like are just dead. Like I think they are very well coached, but again, you're, you're not, you're not going to have Salah there to help you. And the one, one of the games where the 49ers did beat the Rams, I mean, Salah kicked their ass. And even then with it being what 49ers have four takeaways, including the uh, an interception return for a touchdown, it still took last second field goal to win the game. So like Salah's defense played amazing and the 49ers had to kick a field goal on the last seconds to win the game. Are you still going to have that type of terrific defense? And what's the balance between Goff and now is Matthew Stafford? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, there's moving pieces for these other teams. And right now, when you look at the 49ers, what what are they doing to be able to compete with these other teams and be able to battle with the Kyler Murrays and with the Russell Wilson and now Matthew Stafford? Like, that, that's the tough thing. And, again, very early. They probably will we'll, we'll know soon what they're going to do. But – it's it's hard, right? And, and now you're looking at like, okay, well, how are the 49ers going to address this or the quarterback situation? Do you trade up for a rookie? Even then, that that doesn't really guarantee you the success or being able to, to really compete, right, from like a, a standpoint of, you know, who's the favorite going into, you know, week one, 49ers versus Rams. Like, it's going to be the Rams. How do you swing that to where the 49ers are now maybe uh, a favorite? You know what I'm saying? Like, like. Is a draft pick at quarterback going to do that? I don't think so. So now you're going to have to hope that a coach that has lost more games than he's won in three out of four years, you're going to have to hope that he can just really out-coach teams. I mean, the, the, the evidence is showing that he's he's not doing that for whatever reasons. And it likely is because of the quarterback situation. But that it just is what it is. Week one, 49ers were completely healthy. And they lost to the Cardinals. So... You know, but then, you know, obviously they bounce back and beat them at the end of the year. But week one, 49ers were completely healthy and still lost. Not completely healthy. They didn't have Ayuko Debo. But, you know, it's it's a tough situation. It's a tough outlook. Looking at the roster as it is right now, which won't be what it will become, you know, August 5th or whatever when preseason games start. But, you know, it's just it, – it, it's tough. It's tough. And I, and I try not to get like, you know, I want to analyze it from a, you know, a realistic standpoint for everybody. But my thing is, it it kind of would be nice for the 49ers to just be like, you know what, I, I really don't care that, you know, maybe I'm overpaying. You know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, win every trade. Every trade isn't going to always look like a good trade for us, but you have to do something to where you kind of balance out the powers in the NFC West. No, I agree, and I, I don't think I don't think anything you've said is is unreasonable to any extent. Like, sure, obviously, you don't want to see another team in the NFC West get stronger, especially in regards to a quarterback who was so heavily rumored to the 49ers. Like, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think you said anything that seemed unreasonable at all. It's it's just the 49ers. Um, we we already kind of felt it last season. The 49ers had pressure on them to maintain their status as as you know, despite the bad luck one of, if not the best team in the NFC West. And and I said that several teams throughout the season. And we talked about that towards the end of the season too. Like, look, if the 49ers were anything close to healthy, 
like the teams that they were competing against were, I feel like they were still the best team in the NFC West. And, and, and I feel like they would have kicked the shit out of the Seahawks and they still found ways to beat the Rams. And obviously they went one-on-one against the Cardinals. Like we can't forget that the 49ers had, um, I think they tied for the best division record with the Seahawks was, I think that's how it played out that, but if they would have beat the Seahawks at the end of the season, they would have uh, had the best record in the NFC West. So, I, But again, a lot of stuff is changing from now to then. And we'll just see how the 49ers are able to adapt. Change is normal. Change and, and rotating and, and fluctuating rosters is normal in the NFL. Uh, but it just depends on who you can keep and who you can keep that, that chemistry building up with. And, and you, know, you obviously want to have a core team that's able to take everybody else that, that's new in the fold and bring them in and make them a part of whatever you've established. And the 49ers are going to have to do that now more than ever. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know where the 49ers go from here. I don't feel like they're necessarily like, I, I, how do I say this? I do feel like they lost out in the fact they weren't able to get Stafford, but seeing what the, the trade that the Rams put together, it would have been tough for the 49ers to put, the 49ers might have offered pick 12. But the Ram or the, the Lions saw these multiple first round picks and a uh, a third round pick and and the one thing that kind of gets overlooked is yes Jared Goff had a shitty quarterback but he's a viable starting quarterback in the NFL he's not top half he's kind of right around the way we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo you know somewhere around the middle maybe back half of the middle but they also got a starting quarterback out of the deal that has experience with their coaching staff so. Listen. I saw a stat somebody tweeted to me, you know, and everybody loves quarterback wins so much. <laughs> there, there, there was a stat somebody tweeted to me, and it says the most wins since 2017 is Jared Goff, 44. The next best person was Tom Brady with 33. Oh, so, yeah, that, that means a lot. It, it, and that's weird, too, because I was like, man, it's weird how the 49ers fan base views Jared Goff. And, like, me kind of talking to a lot of different people and not just 49ers fans, like, that's how everybody and all my buddies view Jimmy Garoppolo. That like, that I'm going to interrupt you because that tweet where you were yelling at somebody for from another fan base for talking shit on Jimmy Garoppolo and saying only we're allowed to do that. That, <laughs> that was hella funny, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, but that's how all my friends and and buddies and stuff like that when we're talking about our favorite teams, everybody views and and I've gone on different podcasts and and radio shows. That's how everybody. They view Jimmy Garoppolo as if he's Jared Goff, and the difference is Jared Goff has been has won more, and partly because he's been healthier. But he's won more. He's been more successful. Been to three playoffs. Been to a Super Bowl. Like they're 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 not that far off. But there was one organization, and we talked to talk about you know being aggressive, right? Whether it was Kansas City Chiefs and their willingness to be aggressive in games, can you know going for it. You know, season might be on the line, but it's fourth and one. We're ahead, but I want to make sure that we stick it to this team and they go for it and they get it. Chiefs in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Chiefs trading up to get Patrick Mahomes, like being aggressive. And it seems as if the 49 and, and the Rams, the Rams saying, look, we see where we're at. We see where we're at with Jared Goff. We know what he's capable of doing, but we feel like we can be better. And they made a move to get better, regardless of how anybody else thinks. And it seems like the 49ers have been more of the team that's been content and not willing and hasn't had that willingness to be aggressive to that standpoint, at least. Like, you know, when I say aggressive to that standpoint, I mean, like, 
They haven't been aggressive out of their comfort zone, right? They're aggressive with things that they're comfortable with doing. Moving back one spot in acquiring Dante. <laughs> um, maybe trading up in a second to acquire Catman uh, Dante Pettis. But, you know, being aggressive in the sense of, man, we might not win this trade, right? Like, it might not look good on paper, but we got the guy that we want. Are they going to be willing, like, aggressive in that standpoint like other teams have? Like, that's what the Rams just did. And we have, we're yet to see that from the 49ers. Like, that's what I want to see because right now, again, I keep going back to it, three losing seasons in four years. Yep. I mean, and, and, and I get it. There's a lot of context. There's a lot of luck involved. There's, we, uh, 40 Viners fans don't need to be told why the 49ers have lost so much since Kyle Shanahan took over. I feel like everybody has a pretty solid grasp as to why that's happened. But in the end, especially when there are opportunities to get better at a position that's important as quarterback, come and go, then a little bit of that's the spotlight's going to go from being somewhere else to it's going to start creeping over towards you and the decisions you're making. And when I say you, I mean Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. And 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 like I said earlier, I'm not overreacting to all this. Um, I think it's 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 it sucks that the 49ers missed out on Stafford. I think it sucks that Stafford went to the Rams. That's not good news for the 49ers, especially because I I, I believe the 49ers, just like I believe, knew that Jared Goff was holding that team back. And now they have a, a quarterback that's much more of a gunslinger, has much more freakish ability. Every everything we said about Matthew Stafford coming to the 49ers applies to the Rams. And I think you said it best in our in our one of our text conversations, Croc, is is Stafford going to the Rams does more for the Rams than it does for the 49ers. Because the Rams have a have, have a solid defense. They had an outstanding defense this year. And Jared Goff always struck me as ve- obviously very similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, but just a little a little worse in some ways. Like he I, like watching him play this year, like he was just missing stuff that was like almost mind blowing to me. Guys open that should have gone for huge gains. And he and it, so it just seemed like I, I can't really quantify. Jimmy has it. missed the same things though, Rob. Like no, no, no. I'm just saying what I've seen. There was there was a healthy amount of time where I would take Jimmy. Okay, on the field, I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Jared Goff, and right. and that's not saying anything. That's like saying I take the 15th best quarterback in the NFL over the 17th best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not making any like huge things here. I'm just saying that to your point. Matthew Stafford, I felt like the Rams upgraded more by getting Stafford than the 49ers did. And maybe that has a little bit to do with the fact that I feel like Kyle Shanahan might be a little bit better uh, of a play play caller, a little bit better at adapting to what the 49ers were being limited by and Jimmy Garoppolo. And and now, all of a sudden, Sean McVay no longer has to deal with somebody who was limiting his offense so much. You know, it, it's it's just, I'm just finding different ways to, to talk about it, the fact that you know, the Rams got a lot better. The 49ers would have still gotten a lot better, but I feel like that jump up for the Rams might actually surprise some people this year. I mean, un- unless Stafford takes a significant step backwards, which I don't see him doing. He's just been at it for too long. He knows what he's doing. It, it I think, I think the Rams are going to surprise a lot of people at how good they were. And it'll probably maybe not surprise people, but it'll be obvious how much Jared Goff was holding them back from doing what they want to do. Now, I mean, just out, off off your hip, Croc, where do the 49ers go from here? You can you can spin it like, what do you think the 49ers should do? What do you think they do? I mean, I, I think the easy, an- the easy answer is, yeah, trade for Watson. Doesn't matter. Do what it takes. 
I mean, that, and that's still a thing, but what do you think, man? What, what are you thinking as far as the way ahead for the 49ers? I, I don't know. And usually, you know, <laughs> I have all these different, like, you know, plans and ideas. I think I don't want I, I would I want to say, you know, do a Watson deal and figure out just whatever you have to do to get him. But I'm not sure if that's me being impulsive and unrealistic. You know, like I, I, a lot of times what I try to do is look at it like, you know, how will the 49ers go about it? And typically I have some sort of an idea. And I think we were on to something, right? I think a lot of 49ers Twitter were on to something when it was like, hey, we don't think they're sold on on uh, on Garoppolo. Clearly, they want to look for an upgrade. They found it in Stafford, but just didn't want to move off of whatever they offered, right? Now you're at a point where what, what you would have to get Watson, but not. <laughs> I don't think you want to do it to appease your your fan base, right? Like you don't want to like just like I want to make my fan base happy, so I'm going to trade for Watson. Like, is that what you want to do? Is that what you feel? is best for your organization moving forward. Now, I would say I can see how it would, right? Like, especially this year, uh, Watson has a lower cap hit than, like, Garoppolo. What does he owe? Like, it's like $11 million this year or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's one of those super, super weird years for Deshaun Watson. I think on average it's close to, like, $40 million, But at least for this year, it's quite a bit less. It's like 10 Yeah, so it's super – it's way less this year. And, and then moving forward – it like because of you know I think he already got like bonus money from them and stuff like that. It's it's in the thirties like on a year to year basis. So while he's on ten, like if you just probably release Garoppolo or trade him for a low round pick or whatever, it sounds like his his he doesn't have much trade value right now. But if you release, say you just release him, you get that money off your books and you you trade for uh, Watson, and now you're able to extend guys like. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, or sign sign a guy like Trent Williams, and you know, give him a good amount of bonus money and maybe some good guarantees over the next couple of years. So now you're able to get him. You're able to bring back Verrett right on one year. Now you can do things to kind of keep the pieces together. So now moving forward, it might hurt you because you have to give up three first round draft picks, right, or whatever. But the Fortnite's have done well in mid rounds. So bank on being able to do well in mid rounds while giving up your next three or four first round picks or, or whatever. And also being able to kind of get guys locked in right now, maybe even a Fred Warner, extend Fred Warner now, give him a bunch of that money up front while, while you have uh, Watson on a cheaper deal. I, I think he, we talked about it with Stafford. I think it's the same for Watson. He kind of gives you a little bit more versatility with how to kind of address the rest of your roster for this year and moving forward. So I think I would do it. And yeah, you, you, you're going to be giving up a lot, but I, I think you go from having the worst quarterback in the division to arguably having the best. I don't even want to say arguably. Probably no, no, having yeah. the best um, quarterback in the division. So no, no, I think, I think arguably was okay. I mean, Russell yeah, Wilson's still Russell good, Wilson. but he kind of started to play like shit at the end of last season. But who knows how much that had to do with, with him and everything else that was going on there. But no, Watson's obviously like, goddamn. Yeah, so, so you, you know, you bring in Watson, you, you give up those first-round picks, you won't have them. But you have some flexibility with your cap space. You use that to keep guys like Trent Williams, Verrett, and uh, maybe a Kwan Williams or a Hyder or somebody. But now you, I feel more comfortable about the team and their their ability to compete with guys. And now you have a much higher ceiling with that type of quarterback and the roster that's around him. 
and you know, you know, find the speed guy, whether you know, hey, like a John Ross or whatever to throw with uh, you know, Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and those guys now in Mostert and now now you now you're cooking with something. Now you're cooking with something, but they're gonna have to be willing to be aggressive in they just shown that they they're not willing to be aggressive with some with a move that makes them feel uncomfortable, and that's why I, I just I'm usually not the person to say this won't happen, but it's hard for me to see it happen for those reasons. Well, I'm not, and I'm not necessarily convinced that they won't make moves that make them feel uncomfortable because, like, if you look at D Ford, that was a I mean, but we're only talking about a second round pick, so it's not like it was a blockbuster trade like what the Rams ended up pulling up for Stafford. Or what's gonna what's gonna land Watson, but I mean, like they took a risk on D four, gave up a second round pick for a, a good pass rusher that had health issues, and obviously, if anything, those health issues once he came to the 49ers and he got a new contract have magnified and and have become worse than they ever were with the Chiefs. So I mean, there was some risk there, but again, the whole trade in and of itself isn't anywhere near as you know as flashy, as significant, as impactful as as when we're talking about here with quarterbacks. So obviously Deshaun Watson is a way it's, it's, it's an Avenue for the 49ers, but only one team's going to land Watson. And it feels like the 49ers can easily be outbid when it comes to draft picks. And I also feel like the 49ers can easily be outbid by teams that the Texans are going to assume are much worse off than the 49ers and will be picking much higher than the 49ers. So it's it's going to be tough for the 49ers to to truly compete for Watson. The only thing holding them in that scenario is the fact that Watson has to choose where he goes because he has a no trade clause. So it no trade clause means he cannot be traded unless he says unless he approves of it. So he has to choose he gets to choose where he goes 100%. He can deny everything except for the place that he wants to go. And that, and, and that doesn't, and, and so what that does is it doesn't matter if teams were offering more because Deshaun Watson wants the best offer from where he wants to go. He doesn't want the best offer the team does. So there's that. And I can't even remember what else I was going to say, but I'm mad. It was going to be good. I <laughs> promise. <laughs> but it was, so the 49ers, they can't compete for Deshaun Watson. And I, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't care what they give up for someone like Deshaun Watson because there has to be a limit at some point. But there's re- I, it would be really hard for me to see a a Watson. Oh, I know where I was going to go with this now that I'm saying it. It would be really hard for me to see a trade for Deshaun Watson. They would have 49ers would have to give up a lot for me to go. Damn, the 49ers got fleeced because on the other end is Deshaun Watson, who's now who's been playing for the Texans and Bill O'Brien, and now he's stepping into a Kyle Shanahan offense. Maybe we don't even know how good Deshaun Watson can be. I mean, we do because we've seen it, and a lot of the stuff, the magic he creates is on his own. But, you know, maybe what he becomes in Kyle Shanahan's offense is some different beast altogether. But during the season when when I didn't – when none of this was, you know, coming up about him being, uh, you know, wanting to get out and be traded and whatnot – there were people arguing with me saying that he was, and I, you might remember this, he was as good, if not better, than Patrick Mahomes, right? Do you remember that, like, on my timeline? Right, yeah. And that, I, yeah, that I was, was like, a discussion. I'm like, no, dude, like, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. But there were people that, at, at the like, they believe he's as good <laughs> as Patrick Mahomes. So, like, we're talking about that caliber. So what 
and, and I, I cut you off, but if you were to say what's too much, like what is too much for that? Well, and, and, and this, this, all I was about to say, and it kind of blends in with your question right now, is the part that 49ers fans are not ready for when it comes to trading for Deshaun Watson is the players that would have to be involved. There's no way the 49ers are putting together an offer. I mean, I could be completely wrong, and I would be totally okay with that. But I just feel like there's no way the 49ers are putting together a competitive offer of it for Deshaun Watson to the Texans that they would accept that doesn't involve players. Okay. You're t- and, and I'm not talking about any players. I'm talking about basically, here's my way of saying this. Everybody on Twitter who you've seen saying that these players are untouchable, those are the players that they're going to want or be to be included. They, they're trading Deshaun Watson. Like we've talked about this. There's nobody off the table. I, 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 I do even cause myself a little bit of hesitation in saying that, but I don't think there's anybody that's off the table. When you're talking about landing somebody as young and talented as Deshaun Watson, that could be your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, 10 years. We'll just say that that may be a more realistic number. Like there's no one off the table. And that's the part of the, the equation that, that, that goes into your question. Like how much is too much? Like, an offer I could see the Texans accepting is Fred Warner and three first round picks, George Kittle and three first round picks, Nick Bosa and three first round picks, or maybe maybe it's Nick maybe it's Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo, and two first round picks. You know, like these are huge trades that might scare a lot of people, and maybe at that point people are like, let somebody else have them. You know, yeah. but that's what I think it's going to take. If the 49ers are even in the equation, if they're even in the conversation, that's what I think it's going to take. And I, and I, is that too much? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, because I mean, I look at it from the standpoint of the quarterback is the most important position on the field. Now, the one of the other, there, there are three like main important positions. One, you got to have somebody throwing the ball. So you have to have that quarterback. Two, you have somebody, you have to have somebody protecting that quarterback. So you need like a tackle. And, and then three, the quarterback. you need somebody sacking the quarterback. So in one of those things, you talked about giving up the person that gets after the quarterback. And I think that would hurt the team. <laughs> um, oh, more, so than, more so than giving up George Kittle. Like I'd rather involve George Kittle, which is tough because he is really, I mean, he's been the face of the 49ers, right? Like, it was like they're trying to push towards Garoppolo, but it's not. It's, it's George Kittle. He's the face of the 49ers. He is. He takes on that personality. He's a warrior. He's everything that they want their players to embrace. So, you know, he is the tone slash culture setter um, on the roster. So giving him up hurts from that standpoint. But if you had to look at, you know, just kind of the one player where it's like, all right, like we can lose this player. And we still can be like really good. <laughs> I think it'll be him, or maybe even Fred Warner. But it's tough because Fred Warner again, quarterback, quarterback that, of the, the defense, bro. Yeah. That's what I was just it's, gonna say. It's it's not something that's gonna be comfortable. But at the end of the day, the Texans, you gotta look at what they're giving up. Like we're giving up a top five quarterback, you know, as far as ability, and giving him to somebody that could be even elevated to a higher level with Kyle Shanahan. So. I think it's tough because you've seen these homegrown guys 
and they've released they've they've reached this all pro status, you know, with with George Kittle, Fred Warner, and Bosa look like you know he's on his way. Do you give that up for Watson? And and it's tough because we have that emotional attachment to these guys, but I think people on the outside would be like, "Fuck yeah, I trade <laughs> George Kittle for." And some picks for uh, Deshaun Watson, you know? But I think for us, because of the emotional attachment of this player that we've seen, we drafted him, developed him, all that type of stuff, it's probably harder, you know? I I think that the the one thing you said in there was a great way of putting it. And I think that you have a real talent for that. I think, if anything, I use too many words to say things sometimes. And you have a great way of of putting things very simply. and, And you said that it would be uncomfortable. Now, that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be exciting. That doesn't mean that people wouldn't be, you know, bouncing up and down and hitting their heads on the ceiling because they just landed to Sean Watson. But it, it would be that trade would be uncomfortable. There's going to be elements of that trade that you don't like that you're not excited about. You know, whether it's three first round picks, whether it's a player like Nick Bosa, George Kittle, uh, Fred Warner, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Like you're talking, everybody who in your heart right now you feel is untradeable is going, or, or whoever you feel like you want to stay with the 49ers the most, that's those are the players that the Texans are going to want because they're great players. You can't give up a phenomenal player and not get one back. With and and if they and if the 49ers somehow manage to pull that off without giving up a player, then it's we're, t- we're probably talking like. four first round picks, five first round picks. Like seriously, like it it, maybe it's because people don't quite realize how good Deshaun Watson is, or maybe it's just a fantasy football thing. But I mean, you just, you can't grab players like that without giving up something in return. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it's just the way it is. And so, you know, moving on from that. Hold on real quick. The one thing I'll say is, and we talked about like what would be too much or not, not enough or whatever. I think the one thing I would be comfortable when you talked about, you know, the draft picks and all that, four, four first round picks, including this year and for the next four, because one, that's like the duration of his contract that he would be with the 49ers. Really, I think even a year after that. So I'm assuming if we're not talking about players involved and I have to just give up four first round picks for him, I, I'm, I'm looking at it as, from a standpoint of maybe how the Rams are looking at it with Stafford. Those are going to be late first round picks. So, okay, for the next four years, we don't have a late first, but we have this quarterback. They would be, uh, just, to, just to correct you, they would be the 32nd overall pick. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, that that type of, you know, late round pick. So, you know, do you give that up for a quarterback? And I would be like, okay, we don't pick day one for the next four years. I'm fine with that, especially with their ability to, you know, draft and, you know, evaluate players on day two and day three and get, you know, starters out of those guys, um, you know, or good role players out of those guys, even undrafted guys. So from that standpoint here, take it. But that might even, the, the Texans might be like, uh, nah. Okay, um, I set my prices kind of low with with me um, and my business, right? Like uh, how much kids have to, or the parents have to pay for them to train with me. And one parent was just like, wait, what? You're charging how much? Here, take it. Like, I was like yeah. <laughs> take my money. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, that was, Maybe I should have it higher. That was too easy, right? And maybe that's how the Texans, what, four first-round picks, and you guys want, it, want us to take it? Okay, now nah, we got to get something else. <laughs> that's too easy. That's too easy. Now nah, we got to get something else from them. 
Well, so, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, obviously I, I don't want to, can't focus on Watson too much because it's just, it, he's not even, he requested a trade. He's not even technically on the market yet. The Texans don't want to trade him. They're going to do everything in their power to make things right with him. It, it could work out. It, it probably won't. We'll see. But um, some so of the other avenues. Yeah. Okay. Up? There we go. That's what I was going to say. Like some other avenues, like what, like, cause you, you were asking me that and we went off on the Watson tan, tan, tan Hey man, I don't, I don't blame you, dude. I was, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> dude, it's Deshaun Watson. Bro. But, uh, I mean, so I, I think the most likely option at this point is Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback is the quarterback for 2021, which I understand that's going to disappoint a lot of people. Um, but the 49ers just try and try and land who they feel their quarterback of the future is. And, and that could involve trading up, and maybe that's why they didn't want to, you know, well, I, get, I wouldn't say that's why they didn't want to give up a lot of draft picks because it's for a quarterback. But so, I mean, that seems the most likely scenario to me. 49ers keep Jimmy Garoppolo, still trying to land their quarterback of the future. I, I would say 49ers keep Jimmy and just bank on him just having a healthy season and maybe taking a quarterback second or third round if that guy presents himself like a Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or, you know, something along those lines, right, where it's not that sexy guy that's going to go, you know, top 10, but it's somebody that, uh, you know, could possibly fit in the offense and we'll see. And he's just a little bit more insurance, not maybe the the guy, but just insurance for Garoppolo in case he gets hurt. Um, And then, you know, if he does get hurt and you see this guy isn't great, Maybe the following season you go all in on the quarterback. The, the, the tough thing is that with that is this was an off, uh, off season like no other that I've seen where you have been able to kind of acquire guys with elite talent on the market, and you don't really see that. That's not something that that just happens. You see guys like Alex Smith get traded. You see guys like uh, Kirk Cousins get traded. But you don't see guys like Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford, even though he's a little older, but Matthew Stafford with just even – the ability he's able to play at. Like, you don't see guys with, with that type of ability hit the market. So you can't bank on that next year. Maybe you can think about signing a guy like uh, Jameis Winston, but what's that going to cost you in comparison to what Garoppolo is making and what moves would you be able to make, you know, taking on a high-priced second-string quarterback? So I can't see them really going that route. I really would think it would be more so of take – best player available at 12 draft a quarterback early second. If, if, if a guy is there and you like him and then see kind of what happens from there, that would be like what I, I, I actually honestly feel like they do in my heart. I, I think it's more so that Mac Jones, bitch, Mac Jones, which I've heard conflicting reports from senior bowl. I didn't watch the senior bowl game. So I don't know how well or you know he played or didn't, but from everything I saw on Twitter, the quarterbacks were very underwhelming. And now again, you have one week of practicing with guys that you've never played with or practiced with before, uh, trying to learn probably a simplistic form of an offense on the fly right. and play like that's probably all things that are really tough, right? So okay, the quarterbacks didn't play well. Uh, all right, I can see why, but. It, you know, Mac Jones, we'll, we'll see. I think from a talent standpoint, he is more of a second-round guy. 
And, you know, would the 49ers be willing to maybe even have to move up a little bit in the second round to get a guy like him? That that would be something. But yeah, that's 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 a little tough. That's that, that's tough. But that's what I think the 49ers will probably do, to be honest. They, right. they, they kind of go that route, play a little safe. They've been more of a conservative team from that standpoint. If they do trade up, again, it's something that they feel more comfortable trading up for and not feeling like they got fleeced. Maybe you see them move from pick 12 to, fit, to pick 15, you know, grab, gain another third round pick and then use that third round pick and their second to move up in the second to grab a quarterback. I, I could see them doing things like that. That's that's what they've shown to do. Right. And and, and I do feel like the only thing that I, uh, that I lean, the only reason I still lean towards the 49ers trying to, to squeeze a, a future quarterback out of this. And, and I mean, in the first round is because I mean, you can't, do they expect to be picking this high again? They got so lucky with Nick Bosa and the, I mean, lucky in the way that they had to endure a losing season, but they got so lucky that they were even positioned to land Nick Bosa, given how talented that team was. And the fact that they, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL. And I feel like in, in a horrible way, they've kind of gotten lucky again. And there was no, so many people got hurt that there was, there was no logical reason for why the 49ers are picking 12th, other than the fact that they had the worst injury luck maybe ever. And, you know, do they want, do they think they're going to be in a position to pick 12th again anytime soon and be within range of a quarterback that they truly feel? But again, maybe, maybe that, maybe I'm overstating that because look what the Chiefs did to land Patrick Mahomes. Again, I don't think they knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be as good as he is. But at the same time, I may, depending on how much you're willing to give up, maybe you're always in range. You know what I mean? So I just feel like the 49ers have to know that they're probably in a position that they're not going to be in for quite some time, or at least that they assume they're not going to be in for some time. And and maybe they want to take advantage of it. But if they don't go that route, they roll Jimmy Garoppolo, and they kind of just see where things go. You know, no matter what, I think, no matter what, I feel like we could see what happens in the offseason. Who knows? No matter what, I feel like they're going to be betting on Jimmy Garoppolo this year. But I, and I'm going to cut myself off here because you're going to have to talk talk me through this, Krog. What are the what are the 49ers like? What's that relationship going to be like moving forward? If the 49ers do stick with Jimmy Garoppolo this season, this is the second time in two years the 49ers have have pursued another quarterback. And I, it's tough to say they pursued Tom Brady. But they said they talked about it, which whatever. And then you have, you know, they were apparently heavily involved in Matthew Stafford. What do you, I mean, what do they, t- what do they say to Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, get over it, play better? Really? No, I, I mean, yeah, obviously they don't okay. say that, but that's what it comes down to. There's, there's a couple ways to look at it. One, I think all players understand the business side of things um, when it comes to the NFL. So that's one side, right, where Jimmy's going to have to look at it like it's a business, and and I get it, right? Teams are trying to improve, and it seems like Kyle Shanahan has really been upfront with his players and really Jimmy Garoppolo as well, you know, with that. Like, look, if if this is what it is, like Shanahan's not a coddler. He's not going to baby anybody. So, look, it is what it is. You play like whatever, I'm going to look to improve on you. Now, you kind of have tough. You have to have tough skin if you want to play in the NFL. So probably what Jimmy Garoppolo has to do is like you're just gonna have to toughen up and be able to play through it. Now, can he play through it? We saw last year coming out, 
that was one of the first times where I've seen, well, no, the playoffs too, but where you kind of see the pressure on Garoppolo. And it just not look right, right? Um, maybe some of that, you know, and we're talking about coming out week one, then play well. Now, again, there's context to it. We got we had a COVID offseason, no preseason, first live action, didn't look great. Okay, maybe it's understandable. Was sharper coming out against the Jets, but again, it seems like everybody was sharper against the Jets. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, was his con- did his confidence kind of take a hit because of all that stuff from the offseason with Tom Brady? And if so, how is he going to recover from this where now – we're, he like last offseason, he had everybody in his corner. This offseason, he has an entire fan base that has kind of turned against him a little. Like, you know, not, they kind of turned on him a little bit. And, and I'm not, not in the sense of, like, there's people like me, right? I don't think Garoppolo sucks. I just think he's kind of average, and I think he's hurt too much. And I think for him being average, why are you holding on to an average quarterback that limits your offense and he's not staying on the field? Like, what are we keeping him for? So that's kind of my standpoint. I don't think he sucks. And if he plays, great. Please, like, please play well. Win. I hope so, you know. But the 49er fan base, for the most part, I think they kind of feel a little bit more like how I feel now where they're a little like, okay, we got we got to figure something out. Three, three losing seasons in four years. So now you have the pressure of that, right? Like, I that might be more pressure than having to try to run back a playoff run, you know, like, so I think that's where it's more so than, you know, Kyle looking into guys or being interested in other quarterbacks. I think the pressure of just, damn, I have to play well and I don't have people in my corner anymore. His teammates are probably even looking at him like, you're on your last leg. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I remember, I remember uh, somebody on the Jets told me, like, shoot, you better start. You know, playing well, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you better start practicing well. Like, your time can, it can be over with. And that's probably how, you know, guys are looking at Garoppolo. Like, you better start looking sharp and you better start being able to throw those deep outs and, and those deep <laughs> balls or your time could be gone, done. We saw it, it. They're going to be working, working like extra, extra reps after practice. And I, going to be like, no, Jimmy, I'm not running a slant, bro. We're, we're talking, we're talking curls, deep outs, posts, uh, corners, you know, deep ball. That's what, that's what we're working here, bud. Link. That's what I'm going to run. You're going to throw the ball or not. <laughs> Dude, because, he finished, he finished yeah. three games this last year, bro. Three games. I know. He finished three games. And was know. benched in a game. He was benched in two games, really. Well, um, and that's the thing though. It's, it's, and he, he even mentioned that in his own damn press conference. He knows he needs to stay healthy. And, and, to, and, and, and if anything, if the 49ers really had to have that that come to Jesus talk with with Jimmy Garoppolo, it would probably revolve if if literally they had to talk about why there was interest in them and other quarterbacks, it would probably revolve around the fact that like, look, man, you just you haven't been on the field. And and we as an organization have a responsibility to ad- address the position if we feel like you can't stay on the field. Like we don't we don't have any choice. And and even so, even if you wanted to avoid the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is a limited quarterback, you you still have an entire other conversation to have about the fact that he hasn't been on the field. So there, there's a few reasons why, obvious reasons why the 49ers would be looking into other quarterbacks. And Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't seem like a stupid person. So and I think he has to know that just as well as anybody else on Twitter that knows it. So 
You know, it's not that crazy if the 49ers were looking at other quarterbacks, but if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the guy in 2021, it's, I just wonder what that relationship is going to be like. Does Jimmy Garoppolo rise above it? Does he say, okay, fuck these guys. I'm going to play my ass off and, and we'll see how much they, how much they want to move on. And then, or is it like, I don't want to play my ass off for these guys. You know, like it just, it's just fair to wonder, I guess. Every, the guys are human too. So there, there isn't a human element to this as well, where like, I think anybody in any walks of life, whatever you do for a job, when you face a lot of criticism and you have a lot of people doubting you, you know, just human nature, like some of it is going to kind of get to you a little bit, you know? Right. Like these guys aren't machines and they aren't, you know, some people are kind of wired different and they're able to turn that into motivation. But there are a lot of guys as well where, I mean, you feel it, you feel it to some extent. Right. So it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be interesting. But again, I want to reiterate, like free agency hasn't even free agency hasn't started yet. The draft isn't anywhere close yet. There's just so many different, like I've, I've been preaching for a while. There's so many different scenarios that can still play out Uh, for, for the longest time. We were approaching all these options as if Matt Stafford wasn't available because we hadn't heard it. And then boom, he became available. And then like a week later he was traded. So, you know, there's still everything we've talked about up until the Matt Stafford point still applies. It, it, we'll just see. And I know Matt Miller just tweeted out, on, uh, you know, referring to his Instagram, you know, realistic options for the 49ers at quarterback. And he had three pictures. He had Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Jimmy Garoppolo, which is which to me that, that kind of is where I've narrowed myself down to. Mac Jones might not be at a at 12 guy. But I feel like maybe the 49ers can have a chance at Trey Lance at 12, maybe trading up a little bit. You can get a guy like Trey Lance. Um, it's, you know, there's there's still options there that are intriguing. Do any of them result in the kind of immediate success that trading for a Stafford or amplified tied times 10, a Deshaun Watson? No. But, you know, you're still talking about building a team, right? It's not... All of it isn't about winning right now, but a lot of it is. You, you, you know, the goal is to still be build a sustainable team, and the 49ers haven't lost out on that opportunity. It just depends. We'll see what they do. I, it's it's tough. I, I don't feel any. I don't feel any one way or the other as far as what the 49ers did or didn't do or missed out on, and that's really the only thing that's happened is the 49ers missed out on Matt Stafford. There's still so many things that can happen to surprise fans. Uh, positively or negatively, it's, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just crazy to think about. The one thing I mentioned to you yesterday is like, at least we got shit to talk about. (laughs) Yep. That's right, man. You know, it's entertaining. And that, that's the part that I try and impose on, not impose, just kind of like impress on fans. It's like, enjoy this shit. It's crazy. It's crazy, you know, but I don't know, man. The one thing, and I, and I got to say this, because I would not be surprised if there were people listening to this podcast waiting for me to say this. But one thing I have to say, because and, and I think that anybody that's followed me on Twitter for a long time knows that I'm not really that controversial of a dude on Twitter. I, I don't really fire off takes all that often. I try not to be too dramatic in any way or another. If anything, I just try and be goofy half the time. And so there's probably quite a few of you that are listening to this, having seen the tweet that I fired off last night. And if you didn't, I wrote, 
I hope everybody enjoyed the Matt Stafford to 49ers quote-unquote sources charade. I'm not surprised. Truth is, there's a lot of work involved in cultivating relationships that build into sources, let alone multiple sources, to confirm information. That privilege is earned. And I feel like, obviously, I am in no way regret saying that. It's 100% correct. But I felt like a lot of people took it as an attack on people more than it was a, a nod to how hard it truly is to do this, this business to, to, and succeed in it and build those types of connections because it's, it's incredibly difficult. And that's why there's so few people out there that constantly scoop things and, and get the genuine truth in things because it's such a hard thing to do. And the one thing I wanted to reiterate, and I, and I don't want to make this about me because it should never be. That's, that's annoying. Um, is it's not about being first. It's about being correct. And, and everything you do, if you're somebody out there that's genuinely trying to relay information to the people that follow you, you need to know that it's not about being first. It's about being correct and not developing a reputation that devalues your information. You, your own reputation and what people think when they read the information you have to give them is important, especially if you are somebody that wants to give people information. If you want them to be able to read what you're saying and take it as trustworthy, then you have to go about it and go about it in a very certain way. And you can't just constantly reiterate what's being told to you. And then when it's wrong, just chalk it up to, well, that's what I was told because that's just not how it's done, how it's done. There were so many things that were tweeted out over the past week about the 49ers and Matt Stafford that just didn't pan out and was incorrect. And, and you can't just roll that off your shoulder as if it's like, well, I'm just kind of telling you guys what I'm being told. There are so many people in this business that are constantly told things. There are NFL teams that are hoping media reports what they're told because it's wrong. And they're trying to leverage themselves into a certain situation. That's constantly happening. And the reason that guys like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter can wade through that is because there's a relationship there where that team provides accurate information to him and he turns around and gives them accurate information. Like, Hey, who else is trying to trying to compete with this for this player? You know, we'll tell, you know, it's, it's a relationship that goes back and forth and that's how people eventually uh, build up these relationships and receive accurate information. And the thing is, is, and, and and one thing I want to make for damn sure is I don't have sources. I have a couple of people I talk to that, that might know a damn thing or two, but I don't have the sources I'm even talking about in this thing. This has nothing to do with me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jealous. I, I told Crocker today, I was like, dude, I would have been pumped if the 49ers landed Stafford and I wouldn't have given a damn who had the scoop. But I just see so many people getting kind of like led you know, misleading information. And it's, it, it, to me, it seems in a way deceitful at the very best. It's lazy because what I was taught fairly early on when I started getting into the 49ers media side of things is that 
for every source, for every bit of information you get, you have to be able to confirm that with at least two other people. So you've gotten the same information from three different people. And if you've gotten the same information from three different people, then you can then that at that point you probably feel comfortable enough to take that information information and send it out as fact. And a lot of this pertains around the fact that these a lot of these guys, like the Matt Mayokos, Matt Barrows, Chris Biedermans, Eric Branches, uh, Jennifer Chans, all, all of the 49ers media that you guys know and love, they all work for an, a, a business. They all work for an organization. And they can't just say whatever because there's consequences. So when you go about that, you have to confirm that with multiple people to know that what your information that you're giving people that follow you is accurate. You can't just turn around and say the first thing that that's told to you because that could be completely wrong. Like we saw, we saw people saying that the, you know, that there were, there were, you know, I guess the least innocuous of them all is that there are positive talks between the 49ers and Stanford. Then we heard that there were final details being handed out. Then we heard what the compensation was supposed to be. And then we heard that there were even like handshakes involved. None of that shit was, was happening. And, and and even if you're like, well, it could have been happening and the Rams just came in at the last minute, you're still giving information that is inaccurate and didn't play out. And now if, if maybe a lot of these people would have gone the route of, hey, I'm here and the 49ers are interested in Staff- Stafford. We'll see how it plays out. Then hell yeah. Nice work. Like, like give yourself a little bit of leeway. But the fact that people tried to be the guy and they tried to be so specific, it, it, that's where the problems happen. And, it, and, and I was, when I tweeted what I tweeted, it was basically me acknowledging the fact that the Matt Mayokos, the Adam Schefters, the Ian Rappaports, those guys work incredibly hard to get to a point where they have sources that they can trust and that they can confirm. And this shit doesn't just roll off the, the truck at the senior bowl or, or it's, it's a, it's a very long process that takes a lot of things. And, there's so many things out there that are told to media. Like I guarantee you someone like Matt Mayoko, who's far and away the most established 49ers beat writer. He hears things all the time, but if he can't confirm those things, then he's not going to say them because it's reckless. And he could put his status with, you know, NBC sports in jeopardy. He could make them look bad. He makes himself look bad. And I understand that a lot of this stuff was basically just coming from 49ers fans. So there's not a lot of accountability there. But when you wonder why I tweet something like that, it's basically acknowledging how hard the people that give you stuff like that work and how hard you have to work to make sure that that stuff is reliable more than it is attacking other people. It's just a fact that you got to understand how much work goes into this business. And if you're hoping to break into it, like a lot of these guys that were tweeting that stuff are, you have to go about it the right way because your credibility and your reputation it's fickle. It's 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 always in flux, and it stays with you. And and it was just, it's just crazy for me to see people fire off stuff like that. Not really. You can tell they just don't really have have quite the idea of 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 when other people say that, how much work they've they've put in to be able to say that. And and it, it again, it wasn't like an attack as much as it was, like dude, like. Hold, pump the brakes just a little bit. Pump the brakes just a little bit. Realize, you know, how this business works. And if you haven't gotten to that point yet, it's okay. Put in the work to get to that point. But still, protect your reputation. Protect it, you know, and and uphold it. Because 
it's only, you know, everybody knows on Twitter that it's like that uh, from uh, Superbad. People don't forget. Like, that. that's what it is all the time. And so I felt like I needed to explain that. Hopefully that doesn't seem unreasonable or crazy in one way. Again, I don't even have those sources. I haven't put in the work to get those sources. It takes years and years and years of hard effort and building those relationships to get it. It has nothing to do with me more than it was me tipping my hat at obviously the people that have done that. And the moment Matt Mayoko said the night before Matt Stafford got traded that he hasn't heard anything is the moment where I was like, damn, okay, so what's what's going on? because that guy has put in a career's worth of work to get to where he is. And, and hopefully I don't seem, I don't, I, the last thing I want to seem like is I'm standing on a pedestal looking down at somebody. Cause that's not what it is. Like I said, I don't even have these things. I don't have this opportunity. I can't, I don't have any sources for you folks. I'm sorry. It's not a point that I've, it's not a part of my career I've built up, but some people have, and it took a lot of work and, and I just, I have a lot of respect for that. And hopefully Crocker, what I just said, I don't know. Hopefully that all makes sense and doesn't seem all that wild. I know you're muted right now. I'm looking at the screen. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I listened to the whole thing. I mean, I think that was it was very reasonable and logical. And, you know, you're just talking about from experiences and, you know, the things that you've learned and kind of how to go about things and maybe how guys like uh, Barrels and Mayoko have become so, you know, big with their reputations, right? Like a lot of people, it's like, ah, uh, I'm not believing it unless Mayoko or Barrels says it, right? Same thing we do with like Adam Schefter, right? Like, ah. Uh, it's not real until Schefter says it. And I think that's how people in the 49ers community have for the, for the majority of the last few years have thought about these things. But now, again, you have other people reporting things. And I think guys are like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know who to believe. But I think it'll go back to that, you know, especially after this kind of what just happened where, you know, I think people will be a little bit more cautious of who they they put their faith in into. And, and I know guys that, that really do know guys. And they probably very well, like, really heard – this type of information, the sucky part is it didn't play out that way. And now, you know, like you said, it, it could take a hit to that person's reputation. And, you know, that's that's the tough part about it. Right. And that and that's and that's an important thing to me, too, that I was told right away, because when I was working for uh, Chris Biederman, who now runs the Sacramento Bee, he told me I was like, because oh, there were times where he knew things that that played out. And I was like, dang, Chris, why, why didn't you? Why didn't you tweet that out? Why didn't you have the scoop? He said, because he's like, dude, I wasn't able to confirm it with other people. You know, like I wasn't able to to to, to confirm the validity of that information. And there, that happens all the time. That happens all the time. These media members will know things and they will know what's, they will, they will get the inside scoop on things. But if they can't confirm that with other people, then it's not worth risking their reputation or their job or what have you. So it's just it's just a, a very very delicate dance that goes on, and it's it's not a dance that I know. Like I said, I just I was I was taught and I and I witnessed it happening um, during the years I spent you know hanging around the 49ers beat writers and stuff uh, during training camp and throughout the season, and I just grew to respect that they worked that they put in. And it's not to say that anybody out there listening, that's not to say that you can't come up with a scoop, but just. Be careful with how what, how you go about that information and make sure you vet it in the right way. That way you aren't left high and dry by a source that was either wrong or that source was given wrong information. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time, the, bo- both the good and the bad. So that's the only reason I tweeted that out. And, and it, 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 it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the 49ers 
could have actually been in on the negotiation. It's the fact that it seems like people just got a little ahead of themselves and wanted to get that, wanted to put out that next little bit of information, that next breadcrumb. And, and it, and it, at some point it just wasn't the case and you got it. And that's where you got to be careful because you know, you saw what happened. Everybody was, was convinced that, I mean, I even read that Matthew Stafford was headed to the 49ers within a couple days and it's like, no, he was not. So be careful. <laughs> and, and, and you won't see me tweeting that shit because it's just, it's, it's risky. It's crazy. And, and it, you know, anyway, so that's not who we are. Like, right. <laughs> we're not, no, I, no, I mean, I, no, I, and I'm not trying, I'm not cl- trying to be, I mean, if, 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 I mean, I guess if I, if, if one of us either get to that, ever gets to that point, you'll kind of know it because of the shit we say, but I'm not one and I'm not trying to be, and I'm not trying to pretend I am. And that takes so. a lot of hard work. And even for guys that have tried to, you know, look up scoops and stuff like that, like I respect your, 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 your hustle and, and all that, you know, um, you know, I know that probably takes a lot of, like you said, building relationships and things like that, but it's just, a, it's a slippery slope. It is. It is. And it's like, you know, it's, it, yeah, I don't need to talk about it anymore. You guys have heard enough from me. We got anything else, man? Like, I feel like we've kind of got our arms around the 49ers quarterback situation, at least. Yeah, I, I think soon we'll probably just start talking about, you know, the realistic options of the entire team and, and how the 49ers are going to be able to compete in the NFC West because, you know, it, it's looking more doom and gloom right now just because of the recent news yesterday. But at the end of the day, man, like 49ers have put together a good staff. Um, you know, there's a lot of key pieces and moving parts that that can return and, and to make the 49ers, you know, competitive and, and have a shot at winning the NFC West again. So those are things I look forward to talking about instead of, you know, why Garoppolo isn't the guy or whatever. <laughs> I know. I know. We gotta we we gotta get off this we gotta get off this quarterback grind. But I mean I, I can't like Garoppolo. I like Garoppolo. <laughs> I, I wanna put it out there like I'm not somebody that like hates him or wants to rip him. I just think that there there are better options. That that's it. I, I've seen enough, I've gathered enough information now on who he is and what he brings to the table and you know what makes him good or what makes him limited and all that. And I've I've seen enough, I've gathered gathered enough information to know that you can do better. Now, it's not Mullins. It's not Beathard, <laughs> right? It's not like that. But you can try to get, you know, something out there. And, and I'm interested to see what the 49ers do. But, yeah, I, I don't hate I, – I, I, I hate that it comes off as, like, you know, oh, uh, 49ers fan, they hate him now. And it's like, nah, dude, like, I don't hate Jimmy. I hope he plays well. He just has been very inconsistent and hasn't played a lot. So I'm just going off of that. Yeah, I think that's reasonable, but it it kind of just plays into everything, the the fact that everything is so – it seems like it has to be black and white with so many people. You know, like either you hate them or you love them, and if you're anything in between, you better become one or the other or we don't care about you. Like it's it's a weird relationship out there. But anyways, I think think that's it. I mean, hour and 25 minutes better be it, I guess. Um so yeah, we'll start getting into the other ends of the roster. Start. I mean, we're 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 basically in February now. Uh, you know, free agency is a month and a half away, a monthish away. So we'll start talking about the roster, who we expect to stick around, who we expect to take off, who we'd like them to keep, who we'd like them to let go, any other free agents around around the NFL that could possibly be somebody that the 49ers bring in. Uh, can't be a lot of people because they don't have a whole lot of money, but 
it, it could happen. So, um, but hey, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you very much for making striking gold what it is. Uh, it's a ton of fun. And hey, this is the very first time that Crocker and I have ever hopped on here at 8.30 a.m. my time or in the a.m. period of the day, period. So, you know, it was, it was just an interesting day and it, and it called for interesting solutions. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, whether this is coming out on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, probably Monday morning. I don't know. But um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it for another episode. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. Peace. Peace out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.